I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come now to this time of opening up your word, Lord, these people don't need to hear from me today. They need to hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use your servant to speak your word faithfully and truthfully. And, Lord, give us all ears to hear and hearts that are willing to obey your word. Lord, today, as we speak of the value of human life, Lord, let us see the value of human life and treat life with dignity that it deserves. Bless us now in this time, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy chapter 19. As we continue our study in the book of Deuteronomy, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 21, uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 21, uh, so the whole chapter. Uh, so we're going to work through that whole chapter today. It's all kind of one big unit, so uh, we're just going to cover it as such. So Deuteronomy 19, verses 1 through 21, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab a pew Bible there, and it's page 151 in the pew Bible. Page 151 in the Pew Bible. You know, there has been a, a devaluing of human life in America. It's apparent, as we can see all around us. In 2020, the CDC reported that uh, in the U.S., there were 24,576 homicides across the United States of America. That is, 7.5 people were killed out of 100,000 people. In Louisiana, Louisiana was one of the highest states with counts of homicide. It was, we had 873 homicides in Louisiana. That is 18.8 people per 100,000 people in the state of Louisiana. In 2021, both went up. In 2021, the number of homicides in the United States was 26,031 homicides. That's 7.8 people per 100,000 of population. And in Louisiana, it went up to 943 homicides across our state. That is 20.4 people per 100,000 people in our population. Homicide is going up. The value of human life is going down. People just don't seem to care much about human life anymore. Of course, we see this. It's reflected all around us. We see it on TV with reports of mass, mass shootings here, there, and everywhere. Hundreds of people dying every day across America senselessly human life has been devalued it has been devalued in america but we need to understand that god values human life 
He values human life. Human life was created in His image and in His likeness. Therefore, human life has value to God. God values human life. And as His people, we should value human life. And we should see to, to, to bring the value back to human life here in America, in our nation. Today in our text, we shift in Deuteronomy uh, from Moses' application of the fifth commandment where we ended last week of, of honoring God-ordained authorities in society. And now we shift now to the sixth commandment, do not murder, uh, which in its essence is about valuing human life upholding the dignity of human life, upholding even the sanctity of human life. And that's what we really see in chapter 19 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 19 tells us to maintain the dignity of human life. We are to maintain the dignity of human life. As Christians and as Americans, we should always seek to maintain the dignity of human life, the sanctity of human life, as human life is created in the image and likeness of God. And one important way that we maintain the dignity of human life is by preserving human life, right? We maintain the dignity, the respect for human life by seeking to maintain and preserve human life as much as we can. And so today's text calls us to preserve human life. As God's people, we are to preserve human life. We are to seek to preserve human life. And today, in today's text, we're going to see four ways to preserve human life. We could probably add some, some ways to this, but we're going to at least see four ways to preserve human human life in this text today and we're just going to work through it as we go of course as this is a a large chapter a large section of scripture so as we begin to to look at our text this morning the first thing that we see here we're to preserve human life if we're to preserve human life we must protect innocent life we must protect innocent life and we see this in the first 10 verses of deuteronomy chapter 19 look at look there starting in verse 1 now when the Lord your God cuts off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their, town, in their houses, you shall set apart three cities for yourselves in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall measure the distance and divide, it, uh, divide into three parts the area of the land that the Lord your God gives you as a possession, so that any manslayer can flee to them. This is the provision for the manslayer, who, who by fleeing there may save his life. Now he gives this example here, this hypothetical situation. If anyone kills his neighbor unintentionally without having, hate, without having hated him in the past, as when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and his hand swings the axe to cut down a tree, and the head slips from the, the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies. He may flee to one of these cities and live. 
lest the avenger of blood in hot anger pursue the manslayer and overtake him, because the way is long and strike him fatally, though the man did not deserve to die, since he had not hated his neighbor in the past. Therefore I command you, you shall set apart three cities, and the Lord your God, and if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he has sworn to your fathers and gives you all the land that, you, that he promised to give to your fathers, provided you be careful to keep all this commandment, which I command you today, by, by uh, loving the Lord your God and by walking ever uh, by walking ever in his ways, then you shall add three other cities to these three, lest innocent blood be shed in your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, and so the guilt of bloodshed be upon you. Now, here we have an interesting situation here in the history of, of Israel as God is is providing these three sanctuary cities. And if you go back in, in uh, the book of Numbers, uh, look, uh, actually it's Leviticus, I believe, uh, and you, you look at how God sets up these cities of refuge, he actually has already set up three cities west, or excuse me, the, on the east side of the Jordan, uh, because you know by, the time, by this time, by the time Moses is preaching this sermon to the people of Israel, they're getting ready to cross the Jordan, but they've already conquered the land east of the Jordan, and three of the tribes, or two and a half of the tribes, have settled there on the east side of the Jordan. And so Moses has already established three cities of refuge on that side, and now he is getting ready to provide three cities of refuge in the land of Israel, and he's giving them the commandment, here's what you do, and, and this, here's how you just set up these re, uh, cities of refuge. Now, what about these cities of refuge? What's that all about? Well, he, he tells us here. They're to have these cities of refuge so that a manslayer, someone who accidentally kills someone, can flee to these cities of refuge. This is in the case of what we might say accidental homicide or accident, accidental manslaughter. And, and this provision is to provide safety for an innocent life it is to actually save life right now we have this whole interesting scenario here about the avenger of blood now what's that all about we don't have avengers of blood in our day and time but it was a common thing back in ancient times especially in that culture that israel was in at the time the avenger of blood this term the avenger is the same as we see in the Old Testament for Redeemer. It is the same concept. The avenger of blood is the, has the same kind of concept as the kinsman redeemer. You know that kinsman redeemer that we see in Ruth? Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. And he redeemed his family's heritage there. And so it has this same kind of uh, connotation as the kinsman redeemer. The avenger of blood was the next of kin to the person who was killed. And in that culture, it was the next of kin's familial responsibility to redeem or avenge the bloodshed of his kinsmen. We see, for example, in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 5, that passage tells us of King Amaziah, who avenged his father's death, King Joash's murder, 
by striking down the two men who had killed him. And in most ancient cultures, this practice was accepted. Even in the case of accidental homicide, it was accepted. But that was not to be the case in the, in the nation of Israel, right? They were not to, to give in to this. In fact, they were to provide shelter for, safety for, those who had committed homicide accidentally. They were to protect innocent life. They were to provide a place for that manslayer who, who accidentally killed his brother. They were to provide a place for him to go to seek refuge and not be killed by the avenger of blood. They were to protect innocent life. That's the whole point of this little, this little uh, paragraph here. They were to protect innocent life. And why? They were to protect innocent life to avoid national guilt. That's what he says there in that last little part of that, of that uh, paragraph there. So the guilt of bloodshed, so that guilt of bloodshed be upon you. And, and so the guilt of bloodshed should not be upon you. And so it was to protect them from this idea of, of national guilt, right? If there was innocent bloodshed in the nation, then Old Testament Scripture tells us there was such a thing as national guilt. They would be guilty of innocent bloodshed if they did not do their due diligence to protect innocent bloodshed. Boy, that should give us concern, shouldn't it? Here in America, where the value of human life has been degraded to such an extent that people kill other folks over the simplest little things. People die over $20. People die because they cut someone off in traffic. Think about the millions and millions of babies who have been murdered in America. Oh, the blood guilt that is upon this nation. We should be concerned but God, he commands people to protect innocent life. And so we are to protect innocent life as God's people. We need to value human life and take every opportunity to protect human life. And so as Christians, how do we do that? Because we're not Israel. America is not Israel. And America isn't governed by the same values as, as Deuteronomy gives to us. We're not, we don't have the same laws. So how are we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, how are we to protect innocent life? Well, one, we can advocate for life, can't we? We can always be advocates for human life. I'm proudly pro-life. I praise God that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, and now here in Louisiana, abortion has been uh, done away with. Abortion is illegal. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hope it stays that way. I pray it stays that way. But we need to do our part to make sure it stays that way, right? Because that's how it got out of hand before, because Christians didn't stand up. We need to show value for human life, and we need to have a voice in America and advocate for human life whether it be abortion 
uh, the whole doctor-assisted suicide issue, whatever the case, we should always advocate, advocate for human life. We should promote the value of human life. And we should advocate for the vulnerable. For those who are vulnerable and who get taken advantage of in our society. From the orphans to the elderly. We should advocate for, advocate for the most vulnerable in our society. And as we advocate for the vulnerable, we promote human life. The dignity of human life. And we protect innocent life. So in order to preserve human life, we protect innocent life. Second, if we are going to preserve human life, we must prosecute murderers. We must prosecute murderers. Notice what he says there as he continues on. And that's, this is in that next little paragraph there. Starting in verse uh, 11. But if anyone hates his neighbor and lies in wait for him, and attacks him, and strikes him fatally, so that he dies, and he flees into one of these cities. Then the elders of his city shall send and take him from there, and hand him over to the avenger of blood, so that he may die. Your eyes shall not pity him, but you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, so that it may be well with you we must persecute prosecute excuse me prosecute prosecute if i can speak this morning we must prosecute murderers and we we see the difference here right he, he indicates the difference notice the murderer's motive the murderer's motive is hate this is someone who hates his brother hates the person that he has killed. And this notice his method. He lies in wait. He lies in wait. That means it's premeditated, right? It's planned out. It's plotted. And notice the murderer's end is the death penalty. It is the death penalty. Um, Praise the Lord that he, he gives us insight on, on how we should think of such issues as the death penalty. God's Word says it pretty clear. As Christians, we, we should advocate for the death penalty, right? We, we should be for the death penalty according to Scripture. And, and some might say, well, that was Old Covenant law. No, 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 that came before the Old Covenant law. In fact, we find it back in Genesis chapter 9, verses 5 through 6, in the Noahic covenant, right? After Noah got off of the, the, the ark there, and God made his covenant with Noah, which is a covenant with all mankind. And there in Genesis chapter 9, verse 5, it says, And for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will, will require it, and from man... From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And so scripture actually prescribes the death penalty for those who murder. Right? Someone who hates someone else and premeditates their murder God says therein should be death 
therein should be death life for life that's what God says and that's what we should believe now we live in America and we, we, we the church doesn't take that into our own hands we have to leave the the punishment of the guilty to the state because that's their job God's given them that job but as Christians what should we think on the death penalty well we should think to uphold it where possible because God's word says that's the way it should be human life is of such value it that if you purposely take another human life your life should be taken you should receive death now here's where the secular society charges Christians especially with inconsistency because we are pro-life when it comes to abortion but good most conservative Christians are pro-death penalty when it comes to the death penalty and so they say you're inconsistent no we're not because as we, uh, we, we advocate for pro-life in cases of abortion, that is to preserve innocent life. Whereas those who are murderers are guilty. Guilty against God. And God says their penalty for their transgression is indeed death. By the way, the same can be said of those on the other side because they advocate for pro-abortion, pro-death, but also often they turn right around and they advocate for doing away with the death penalty. So they're inconsistent. And their inconsistency is not according to Scripture. We are backed by God. So we are to preserve life by prosecuting murderers and seeking justice for those who have been murdered by others and notice the whole purpose of this is the purge the guilt that national guilt unfortunately our justice system is in the tank these days and typically murderers get off scot-free they spend a few some of them spend a few years in in prison and then get out if 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 at all they they get life in prison and that's it but oftentimes you even see them getting released from prison in those cases but it is to preserve uh, or it is to purge the guilt from the nation furthermore this is another reason for the death penalty and we see this not in this paragraph but he mentions it on down in verse 20 and I think it applies to this as well look at verse 20 it says there and the rest shall hear and fear and the rest shall hear and fear. That is, it's to prevent further murder. It is to prevent further murder. I, I would say, and, and this is just my opinion, but I think that so, one of the reasons that we see so much murder these days is because of the lack of the death penalty. The lack of justice. The softness of on crime there's more crime there's more murder because there's nothing to fear there's nothing to fear oh well they're not going to do nothing right they're not going to do anything so why should i worry why should i fear in fact i've actually heard criminals 
when they get out of prison and, and they're, they're going back home, uh, I've actually heard prisoners say that they, they would rather, that they're going to do something as soon as they get home. They're going to do something, right? They're going to break the law to go back to prison because their life is better in prison. There's something wrong with our justice system when the prisoners, the felonies, want to go back to prison because that's life, life is better there. There's no fear. There's no fear. And so crime continues to increase. Others should hear and fear. So we are to preserve human life if we're to preserve human life, we must protect innocent life. We must prosecute murderers, or at least seek to see them prosecuted. And third, we must aim to prevent homicide. We must aim to prevent homicide. Continuing on, look there in verse 14. Uh, this is a, a verse that a lot of people, they get to this verse and they say, why in the world is that here? Because there's, there's this homicide, there's murder up above it, and they're talking about false witnesses and all that below it. Why is this verse here? Look at verse 14. You shall not move your neighbor's landmark, which the, man of, with the, which the men of old have set, in the inheritance that you will hold in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Why have moving this landmark here and all of this discussion about murder and going to court and perjury and all of that? Well, I think the reason that Moses puts it here is because he is showing us, he is demonstrating ways that we prevent homicide. At least in that day, it was to prevent homicide. Well, what was one of the, the greatest disputes in the day? It would be if someone moved the landmark, right? M moving the landmark would adjust the boundaries. So think about it. You own a plot of land. You own five acres of land. Let's just give an example. You, you own five acres of land, and your neighbor over there, he owns three acres of land, but he, he wants a little bit more land, so he moves the, the boundary marker over so that he gets uh, another acre of land well you would not like that would you right if all of a sudden your neighbor moved his fence over and cut off an acre of your land you wouldn't like that very much well in that day when that was your inheritance and that was your livelihood right that would take away from the land that you had to produce crops to take to market to sell to feed your family that would make you pretty angry wouldn't it and you see that was one of the major ways that people that these disputes came up in Israel and in the surrounding nations when there was dispute over boundaries boundary markers and Moses says you don't move a landmark because that is a way that would cause homicide to take place and so what are you saying here is that you're to prevent manslaughter you're to prevent manslaughter by not moving the, the landmark. You're to prevent manslaughter. You're to prevent voluntary manslaughter. In this case, that's how we would define it today. You're to seek to produce voluntary manslaughter. Voluntary manslaughter is a form of homicide that involves killing someone intentionally but without, premeditated, uh, without premeditation or malice. Right? There's, there's no 
hatred beforehand. There's no planning out, but there's this heat of the, in the heat of the moment you take another person's life. And that's might be what would take place if you move someone's landmark. In the heat of the moment, a life might be taken. And so we're to pre- prevent manslaughter, voluntary or involuntary. Involuntary manslaughter would be the unintentional killing of a person while committing a crime or acting in recklessness, recklessly or in a negligent manner. And so uh, you're to prevent, we are to prevent, we're to uh, promote human life and promote the dignity of human life by permit, preventing manslaughter, whether voluntary or involuntary. Now, how do you prevent voluntary manslaughter well you remove the agitators don't you that's what Moses is getting at don't don't do things that's going to aggravate someone else and agitate someone else don't don't allow those things to happen why are you going to get in a dispute with someone over something petty where where uh, emotions can get out of balance and someone might do something that they they would later regret you remove those agitators remove them you get angry in traffic, get a little road rage, you might want to pull over for a minute, right? Just pull over. Let your anger subside. And then go back at it. Remove those agitators. Don't do things that might make other people angry. Remove agitators. Well, what about involuntary manslaughter? Doing things that are reckless, that might cause someone else their lives. Well, uh, here's one, don't drink and drive. Surely we don't have to talk about that here, but just in case, don't drink and drive, right? That would be involuntary manslaughter. You get out there and you, that's reckless behavior that could go out there and cause someone else's life. How many people are, are killed by drunk drivers over and over in America? That's reckless behavior. That's a life that's taken that didn't need to be taken. But here's one that might hit home. Don't text and drive. Don't text and drive. Don't be playing with the phone. Don't be fiddling with the radio. I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, texting and driving accidents have just blown the roof off. And, And we probably all know someone who has been killed or seriously injured because someone was playing on their phone or fiddling with the radio, or trying to reach something down in the floorboard, or or something that's distracted driving. Remove Remove that thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Prevent involuntary manslaughter by not being distracted. Not doing stupid stuff that might endanger someone's life we're to prevent homicide we're to prevent homicide we're to prevent manslaughter voluntary and involuntary but we're also to prevent negligent homicide negligent homicide that is homicide because we just weren't thinking we see this on over here, and I'm, I'm throwing this in, uh, on over in chapter 22, if you will flip over there, 
chapter 22 at the end of, uh, or in the middle of chapter 22 there, uh, in verses 5 through 12, Moses kind of does this thing where he's transitioning from one commandment to the next, and he has these overlapping different kind of, of laws that are going in there. But one of those laws here has to do with homicide, and it really applies to today's discussion. Look at verse 8. 22.8, when you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. Now, he's saying here, what's, what's a parapet? We don't have parapets on our house, but in those days, people did a lot of life up on top of their roofs, right? They had flat roofs. And so they would go up there. That's where they would barbecue, right? They would get out with their friends. They would get out with their buddies. They had neighbors come over, and they would climb up there on top of the roof, and that's where they would kind of hang out and do life together. They would spend time with their family and friends and all of that on top of their houses, and a parapet was a handrail. That's all it was. It was a handrail, a safety rail around the top of their houses. And Moses says, you put a handrail, you put a safety rail around the top of your houses so that no one accidentally falls off. You see, we're to prevent accidental homicide. We're to do our part. Negligent homicide is, is not taking action, not seeing a danger and not addressing it and allowing someone to get hurt, perhaps even die from injury because you, you, you failed to take care of an issue. And so we're to prevent such homicide. We're to prevent such death as it is within our power. We're to take steps to prevent those. So how do we do that? Well, be aware of hazards. Certainly, right? We're to look around our houses and our places of work and wherever we have the ability to do things. And we're to be aware of hazards. Might go do a safety check around the house, right? Are, are there things out of place that could do harm to people? And then remove those hazards. So just a few examples, you might, if you had a pool, you, you would build a fence around your pool so no one would accidentally, a child wouldn't accidentally fall in and drown. You might install a handrail where a handrail needs to be installed so no one falls and, and hurts themselves. I, I have to add that one for me because I got a handrail at the house that I need to put up. I, I just need to go do that. So maybe this week I'll get that up. But install a handrail where a handrail needs to be installed. Install electrical outlets that meet the safety standards uh, so that no one gets hurt by that. So look for those ha hazards and address those hazards and prevent negligent homicide. So to preserve human life, we need to take responsibility of the world around us, right? We, we, we need to take responsibility in our sphere of responsibility. We can't do that all throughout. There, there's other people who have to deal with their own houses, but in your sphere of responsibility, take responsibility. We need to take every measure to prevent any kind of homicide or even bodily injury to other people serious bodily injury so we preserve human life by preventing homicide so we preserve human life if we're to preserve human life we must protect innocent life we're to 
prosecute murderers, prevent homicide, and number four here, we must perpetuate truth. We must perpetuate truth. Continuing on there, verse 15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. Notice this, if a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priest and the the judges who are in office in those days. The judge shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he meant to do to his brother. So shall you purge the evil from your midst, and the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. We are to perpetuate truth. Now here in this case, uh, there's there's these witnesses who, who arise who are false witnesses. They're bringing a false charge. In this case, they are seeking to find someone else, get someone else killed, right? Get them out of the way. But that's not the way it should be. Moses says that's not to be tolerated. Such activity is not to be tolerated because God's people are to be a people of truth. There must be a just judicial system. And a just judicial system seeks truth. It seeks truth. Notice what he says. Notice again what he says there. They they are to, to, to seek the truth. They're to inquire diligently. They don't come by the truth lightly. They're to inquire diligently. They're to dig and dig and dig until they find the truth. I always have this saying, there's three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth. Right? One person says one thing, another person says something else, but usually the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Well, a just judicial system doesn't seek this side of the story or that side of the story. They seek the truth. The truth and nothing but the truth. As God's people, we should seek the truth and nothing but the truth. We're to seek truth. And malicious weaknesses are, are then held accountable. Whatever they're trying to to bring against another person, that's to be added to them. Boy, in our day and time, where rumors and gossip and slander are the common thing, what if people got what they tried to do to others in our society today? People try to wreck people's character on Facebook. They try to murder their character on Facebook. They say all kinds of nasty things against their brothers and sisters. 
And people slander and slander and slander and try, try to tear people down. Maybe not actually murder them, but they try to tear them down and destroy their character and bring them to nothing. Oh, dear Christians, we can't be a part of that. Don't be a part of that. If that's part of your life, get rid of Facebook. Get rid of Instagram. Get rid of all of that mess. And stop it. Quit gossiping. Quit slandering. Quit spreading the rumors and destroying people's lives just for fun. That's all it is. People want to have a little fun. And they think seeing other people suffer is fun. It makes them feel like the big dog. Oh, I tore them down. God says it's a disgrace. By the way, we shouldn't want leaders who do such things either. Leaders who perpetuate gossip and slander and lies. That's not who we want in any office. We're to seek truth. We're to seek truth. We're to purge this evil from our midst. We see that in the purpose here, the purpose statement of this, this verse. The whole purpose of this is to purge the evil from your midst, to, to prevent evil so that those who might see and hear and, and not continue that practice, it's to prevent the evil and it's to, to judge the evil, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You, you make sure those who perjure themselves get what they, they deserve, right? Get what rightly belongs to them. If they're trying to tear someone down, they should be brought down. In order to preserve human life, we must perpetuate truth. God's people are to always be a people of truth. We must speak truth, seek truth, and uphold truth at all costs. After all, we serve Him who is truth. We serve He who is truth incarnate, Jesus Christ. We're not to slander. We're not to lie. We're not to cheat. We're not to do all of those things. How can we do those things and serve truth incarnate? Jesus Christ. God values human life. And so should we. As His followers, as His children, we should value human life. As Christians, we should uh, do everything within our power to promote the value, the sanctity of human life and work to pre prevent, to preserve human life. Work to preserve human life and prevent homicide of all kinds. All that is within our power. We preserve human life. We do that by protecting innocent life, by working to see murderers prosecuted, by preventing homicide as far as it is within our power at least, and by perpetuating truth, by always seeking truth, speaking truth, and upholding truth at every turn. You know, in that we also seek to preserve life 
by speaking the truth about Jesus Christ. Dear friends, we preserve human life by speaking the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the, here's the key, right? Here's the, the fact, here's the truth. Human life is devalued because of sin in the world. You think back to Genesis chapter 4, the first sin recorded after the fall is murder. The first sin recorded in Scripture after the fall was murder. Cain murdered his brother Abel. Sin caused the instant devaluing of human life. But Christ, by His death and resurrection, resurrection has overcome sin. Christ restores the value of human life. If we want to see human life valued, brothers and sisters, we need to tell people about Jesus. You see, that's the, the thing. As long as sin remains in the world, there will always be murder. As long as sin remains in the world, there will always be the useless taking, the senseless taking of human life. And the greatest way that we aim to prevent the senseless taking of human life the greatest way that we preserve human life, the greatest way that we promote the sanctity of human life is to tell people how Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and was raised again so that they could have eternal life in Him. We need to tell people about Jesus because when Jesus transforms their lives, It's hard to murder someone when you know Jesus. It's hard to, to take a human life when you know Jesus, when the Holy Spirit is in you and living in you and changing you and transforming you. The way we preserve human life, the way we, we promote the sanctity of human life is to tell people about Christ so that they may be transformed by the power of the, the Gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and truly see the value of human life. You see, there's a lot, and maybe there's even those who are here today who don't understand the value of human life. You don't even understand the value of your own life because you don't know the one who gives you value, Jesus Christ. Today, I would implore you, look to Jesus. He died for you so that you might have new life in Him. Look to Christ. Receive Him. Trust in Him. Surrender to Him. And He'll show you the true value of every human life, including your own. Trust in Him today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, we thank You. Lord, You don't just teach us what to think about gathering together in church and acti our activity in church. Lord, you, you aim to shape our worldview. Your Word 
is to inform our whole worldview, how we see everything and every issue. It all should be viewed through the lens of your holy word. We thank you, Lord, that you give us such direction. And we thank you, Lord, that you have shown us the value of human life. Lord, we were created in your image and likeness. And because we are created in your image and likeness, Lord, we have value. It's not because of our job. It's not because who we are, who we know, where we're, we're raised or, or whatever. It's because of who you are that we have value. And Lord, you show us that value by sending your son to live and die for us. Lord, let us see that value. Lord, maybe today there's somebody they don't even see the value in their own life. Maybe they're struggling with issues. Maybe they've devalued even their own life. Lord, let them not look to themselves, but let them look to you to find their true value. Lord, let us do all that we can to preserve human life and uphold the sanctity of human life in this sinful world. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.